Big Blue was cursed by the Black Cat in the Swamps, losing their fifth straight game Monday night. Our pal Paul Schwartz takes us inside the locker room after the Giants' double-digit loss to the Cowboys. We're also joined by a coach that led the Giants to a Super Bowl. What the heck is that? The great Jim Fossil joins us. All that and more next on the Blue Rush Podcast with the New York Post. Hey, 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 welcome to Blue Rush, a New York Giants podcast with the New York Post. I'm your host, Jimmy Fallon. Come join us for new episodes Mondays and Thursdays, outside of today's Tuesday show. Uh, We will take you inside the locker room, straight from our team of New York Post Giants writers. Today we're joined by our buddy Paul Schwartz, who witnessed another loss last night. We'll also be joined every week by Giants players and other special guests. Today it's former Big Blue head coach Jim Fossil. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get it on. Okay, where do we begin? Uh, the good news, I guess, is that we didn't lose to the Dolphins. Uh, the bad news is the way we played last night, we might have. Uh, never a good sign for your football team when a cat leads you, you guys in rushing. You know what I'm saying? It's not a good one, but the Giants fell to 2-7 and seven last night on the season. A 37-18 to 18 blowout. Daniel Jones couldn't hold on to the ball. I was impressed that he didn't fumble the mic during the post-game press conference, but he managed to limit the turnovers there. But it was another discouraging sign for a team that's supposed to be heading forward. Now, the good news for Daniel Jones is he is in some select company. He uh, started off 2-0, as we all know, only to lose his next five. Only two quarterbacks have started 2-0 and then lost their next five games during their rookie season, one being Daniel Jones, the other being John Elway. So let's hope uh, he's heading in the direction of John Elway because the Giants played last night like it was a John Candy movie. And joining me now to break it all down, uh, the team beat writer for the New York Post, the great Paul Schwartz. How you doing, man? Jimmy, I think we need to change the name of this from Blue Rush to Blue Rush for two yards. Blue Rush for... One yard. Hey. Blue rush for no game, <laughs> and here comes Aldrick Rosas with the field goal unit. I mean, it's um, you know, it, it, there's a lot to take out of this game, and uh, no, no question, no question. Uh, if the Giants can't count on Saquon Barkley running the ball, they're going to be in more trouble than they are. Yeah, have we signed the cat yet? Sir? Have we signed the cat? Uh, well, the cat, as you said, the cat was in the end zone more than Saquon was, <laughs> so that's a, you know what. The, the, the Chicago Cubs were once spooked by a cat, right, in yeah. Chase Stadium in 1969. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, I, I heard this was a direct descendant of that black cat. But <laughs> this one, this millennial, this Generation X cat did not do the job for the home team. I'll tell you that much. Way to go, cat. Yeah, the cat let down the dog because we were six-and-a-half-point underdogs. And we were covering good and well until the cat ran onto the field. Next thing you know, we're down 19, and I'm uh, I'm sleeping under a bridge tonight with Steve Serby. But that's another story for another time. Um, I wanted to start here uh, because you had to witness this up close and personal. I don't know what you did to deserve that type of punishment, but there you were last night. Um, my biggest takeaway has been Daniel Jones's inability to protect the football. It's something you've spoken about chapter and verse. He did get hit again. Five, he got sacked five times last night. What does it take for a quarterback to start holding on to the ball? Well, it takes a lot of practice, a lot of reps in uh, in practice. But you know what it really takes, Jimmy? It takes the threat of being benched. And that is just not there with this guy. Now, I'm not saying, you know, corporal punishment. Uh, Daniel Jones is the reason they're losing these games. Send him to the bench. But 
you have to put the fear of God in a rookie when he keeps on making the same mistakes. And Daniel Jones does a lot of good things. And what he does consistently on the bad side is lose the ball. Now he scrambles. His running game was excellent Monday night. He dived ahead for a first down. Great. But then he doesn't secure the ball. It gets knocked out. You know, at the end, the last play with six seconds to go. One thing I would I would disagree with your assessment of the game is this was a blowout. The Giants were within five points against a very good team, you know, midway through the fourth quarter. This was an agonizing loss. Uh, not really. It, it turned into a blowout on the scoreboard, but they were right there all game. They should have been leading at halftime. They weren't. But in these kind of situations with a rookie, I remember when Tiki Barber was playing very well as a young player, but was fumbling. And, you know, Tom Coughlin said to him, you can't play if you can't hold on to the ball. There was a fear of getting benched. And so there is no fear of getting benched with Daniel Jones. So it's just going to keep on happening until they knock it out of his system. Yeah, here we are. Very. Uh, this game was very evocative of the Patriot game to me and that we were in it. Um, it was a sloppy game for a little while there. Um, and then, as you said, there was the inevitable fourth quarter implosion that left us where we were. Uh, another big takeaway for me is we didn't hit the quarterback. Uh, Leonard Williams came over, had an inauspicious debut. I believe he had three tackles, um, but no sacks. We have not. We did not hit Dak Prescott. Uh, Daniel Jones once again running for his life behind our line of scrimmage. You know, what do you? We're at a point in the season now where we're past the trade deadline. You can't really make personnel moves. Are we just here to concede the fact that every quarterback's getting the white glove treatment from now until the end of the season? You know, that's the that's the thing with a bad team is that you can't count on anything. The Giants have been, I think they were, what, tied for 13th in the league in sacks going into this game. They were way better than they were last year. So that was something you can say, well, the Giants are now getting to the quarterback more. They're hitting the quarterback. Marcus Golden. Uh, a little bit of Dexter Lawrence. So that's a positive improvement from last year. And then they don't touch Dak Prescott, like you said. So that's what happens. You don't count them. You say, okay, Saquon Barkley can run the ball. Now he can't run the ball anymore. Uh, earlier in the season, the offensive line is better. The offensive line is protecting Daniel Jones. The offensive line has regressed. So it's the old classic you take a step forward, you take a step back. You take a step forward, you take two steps back. And all of a sudden, that's where you are, losing five straight games. Yeah, it's, it's a tough place to be. Uh, some positives. Uh, Golden Tate made a heck of a catch. That, what did you think of that? That was incredible. It was a great throw. It was a great catch. It was contested. Uh, Golden Tate is as advertised. I mean, in all this badness, a lot of times you sign one of these veterans and boy, he's got nothing left, right? He has something left and he's played well. Uh, it was an Odell Beckham S catch. Um, it, uh, you know, it, it was, it was, it, it was a good thing. And with Sterling Shepard out, I mean, that was a real downer. One thing about this team, they were hit with a, with a real salvo of emotional, you know, blow uh, a day or two before this game, they were expecting Sterling Shepard back. Uh, he was clear to the concussion protocol. I was writing all week. The Giants are getting all their weapons back for the first time ever this season. Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, Saquon Barkley, Evan Engram gives Daniel Jones all his big weapons. And then on Friday, uh, we hear, or Saturday, I guess, or even no, Sunday, it was the latest Sunday, we hear, uh, look, he's back in the concussion protocol. He didn't feel good on Saturday. And so that takes you know their best receiver off the field. Just uh, hits keep coming. Yeah, it didn't make any, things any easier for us. That's for sure. What is the uh, what's the mood in the locker room like after a t you know, after a team falls to two and seven at home against a heated division rival on Monday Night Football? I'd imagine they weren't doing a conga line. No, it, it was um, they were doing a line out the door. I mean, it, <laughs> the uh, there was not a lot of guys in the locker room. The same old, same old. The Evan Engrams, the Golden Tates, 
uh, Michael Thomas, the safety, you know, uh, Daniel Jones always talks. Uh, a couple of the offensive linemen, Will Hernandez stayed around. You know what the problem is, Jimmy, is that the, the mood in the locker room is kind of been here, done that. You know, I mean, uh, uh, last game there was some anger. Jabril Peppers, you know, he says, we're going to call a, a meeting. You know, we can't let this happen. You know, this this is, this is dis- disturbing. Uh, there was none of that in the game uh, Monday night after the game, you know, Tuesday morning when the game actually ended, it was, uh, it, these are the mistakes that are happening. We can't let them happen. Uh, we're going to get this over the hump. I mean, the problem is when you look at the young players, I saw it in Evan Engram last year and I see it in Saquon Barkley this year. There's this, it's not really defiance. It's not really resignation. It's just this dull ache of losing. You know, Saquon says the right things. He's terrific. He said, I know. He said, when, 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 if this happens, and he said, no, when it happens, when we turn this around, it's going to be great to win here and, and this and that. But you can tell this losing is just sucking the life out of Saquon Barkley. And, you know, in the past, he's played really well and done a lot of good things and they've lost. Now, in this game, he gets the ball 14 times and gains 28 yards, and then he watches Ezekiel Elliott pound away and pound away and pound away for 139 yards. So uh, this has been a rough second year for Saquon Barkley on the field, off the field. You know, he's just not – you know, he, he missed games with a high ankle sprain. And I'll tell you, on that, on that 65-yard catch and run, I thought he could have scored – and once he didn't score, you look at it and you say, okay, they're going to kick the field goal because that's what they did. And uh, so, you know, I'm not sure. And, and I don't think he's 100% back from that ankle either. So that's another thing. You need a closer there, a finisher, and he's not quite that right now. Yeah, it's, it's rough to watch. And, and to make matters worse, he was he was losing to an Ohio State rival, uh, the old Penn State back Saquon, watching Ezekiel, the Buckeye, trample the Meadowlands last night. Um, is there a novelty point in the season where we're 2-7 and seven right now if we're two and eleven, is there any world where he just trots Eli back out there just to give the fans some nostalgia? I don't think so. No, I don't think Eli wants that either. You know, Eli. Um, I don't think Eli wants nostalgia. He knows. You know, this is not a basketball player you can put out there and you know, like Kobe Bryant, and say you take all the shots. We kind of won't guard you. You know what I mean? And 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 you know, you'll score sixty or fifty or whatever you're, you know, whatever you want to score. And like an all-star game, you can do that. You know, no one's going to take a run at Kobe Bryant. You know, in the last minute of the game, uh, I, the Giants know that that this goes beyond Daniel Jones. I don't think Eli Manning plays again. I really don't. And I don't think they want any kind of ceremonial. Uh, go out there for the last series. Well, you know what? You better make sure that the team on the other side of the ball is in on this, or else. They're going to come rushing through the line, and they're going to have a nostalgic sack of Eli Manning, and who the heck wants that? <laughs> well, here's one last one then, because you've spent a lot of time around Eli Manning, and you know I think there's no argument. He's been a class guy from start to finish. But is this the type of misery he's been forced to endure that could prompt him to play somewhere else next year? Could you see him playing another season? Well, I, I don't know why this misery would make him want to play somewhere else, Uh I, I don't think he wants to play anywhere else. He's got a wife and four kids. They live in New Jersey. They're staying in New Jersey. I don't think he wants – I know he doesn't want to relocate them somewhere. I mean, I would think it would have to be the most perfect situation ever for for Eli Manning to say, I'll go somewhere else. Something like – something like, you know what? Tom Brady got hurt in the, you know, in, in the summer, and we need a quarterback. And even then, I don't know if Bill Belichick would do that. But, no, I think – Look, it, it's a rough ending for for Eli, but that's the way it is. I think he's come at he's at peace with it right now. He's getting paid a lot of money. He eats in the team cafeteria. He's around his teammates, and uh, 
you know, that's the way it's going to go down. All right. Well, hold on to the ball, Sam Darnold, because if you keep turning it over, I, that could be the only place he lands. Maybe he just crosses the street and gives us a finale in, in Jets green. I don't want to see that. I just, you know, as a guy who cares about Eli, I, I want that happy Hollywood ending, but I don't think it's coming. Uh, the end of this interview is coming, Paul Schwartz, and it was another stellar effort by yourself. All right, Jimmy, we'll uh, strap it on and do it again next time, I guess, right? See if uh, if the Giants can beat the uh, crosstown rival Jets. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, this is the Blue Rush podcast really has become the Blue Rush self-help group. Where we're all just sitting around consoling each other now. So, yes, I, I look forward to hugging you next uh, this time next week. Thanks, buddy. That was New York Giants team writer Paul Schwartz joining us now. Not only is this man a legendary New York Giants head coach, but a very interesting trivia answer. He threw the last pass in World Football League history as a member of the Hawaiians, which I only mention because our offensive line has been playing like they're on a Hawaiian vacation lately. Joining us now on the Blue Rush (laughs) podcast, the great Jim Fossil. Good morning, Jim Fossil. Good morning, guys. Always good to uh, talk to you. You ain't kidding. Did you know you threw the last pass in WFL history? I did not. Mike Giddings was the general manager and head coach, and uh, it came out, and I, I thought about it. I thought, I, I think I was, but uh, it got out to the New York media, and I said, I can't confirm that or deny it. I don't know, but uh, it was kind of a crazy deal. I, I was playing there, and then I went into coaching because I hurt my knee. And then uh, Mike Giddings, the head coach, called me at 3 in the morning. And he fired the two quarterbacks, and he said, Jim, I need you to come back here and play. And I went, you got to be kidding me. And, and my, my wife was saying, what, is, what does he want you to do? He wants me to come over and play the last game in the World Football League. <laughs> and she said, "Oh, you're 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 crazy. You're just crazy." And he says, "Well, we got a we got a plane for you. We got all that." And so I flew in there the day, and uh, Pat Hayden and J.K. McKay, uh-huh. uh, they were in a hotel where I was. And said, Jim, what are you doing here? I'm playing against you guys tomorrow. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> that's a fantastic. That's a fantastic story. You were the you were the big closer uh, in in Hawaii. You were like the Elvis Aloha from Hawaii of football, which I thought was fascinating. I had to bring it up. Uh, but you mentioned coaches. Um, obviously, you're a Giants legend. You brought this team to a Super Bowl. Uh, so let's start there. That was a special team. Uh, we all know that. Um, you guys had one of the most decisive NFC championship victories anybody's ever seen. You beat the Vikings all over the Meadowlands that day. It was a jubilant atmosphere from start to finish. What was the energy like in that locker room going into that game? Because I don't think anyone saw, I believe it was like a 38 to three or a 41 to three outcome. What, 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 what was going on in that locker room that you guys were that jacked up? Well, you know, through my career, I've, I've, done a lot of good things that I thought we would would. It started with Saturday's practice and uh, Lawrence Taylor and Phil Sims and all those guys, uh, they wanted to come to practice. And they said, sure, you're here. And I thought, you know, I got to pick one of these guys to say something. And uh, so I picked Lawrence Taylor and uh, I just had my fingers crossed. Okay. All right, let's do this. Because a lot of times the guys that played, yeah, you hear what we did, and we did this, and we did that. Lawrence went up there, and he says, I'm just telling you, guys, for my team. And I said, uh, we're all here to honor you guys. 
I'm not talking about what we did. I'm talking here, we're honoring you guys. And I think that was huge to my team, huge. And, uh, and all those guys came to the game and all that stuff. But when Lawrence said, we're here to honor you guys, what you've done, I'm not going to tell you what we've done. It's, uh, and it was, it was really amazing. Uh, I think it uh, lifted my team. And uh, the other thing we got in the game and we're playing, it's 34 to nothing at halftime. All right. And uh, <clears throat> so, all right, we're going to win the game. Okay. I don't want to get anybody hurt now. Okay. And uh, so uh, uh, we had the, we were on defense and I went to Sean and I went to my special teams coach and that, and I said, fellas, here's what we're going to do. We're going to come back with the first series so we can tell them we're, we're serious about this. We're not done. And, uh, and then the starters are out. They're out. Okay. And uh, Kerry Collins, I took him out. He, he didn't. He didn't start the second half. Jason Garrett did the whole thing. And uh, as we're walking in the locker room, John Fox, my special team or my defensive coordinator, I came up and I said, uh, "John, this is what we're going to do. Okay, the starters play one series, just so they know that we are still after it." And uh, John John Fox said. Jim, Jim, this is the highest scoring offense in the league. We can't do that. I said, John, it's 34 to nothing. If they, if, if, if defense gets 35 points hung on them, you're fired. <laughs> and he, he looked at me like a ghost. I said, come on, John. I, 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 you know, I, I'm serious, but I'm kidding. I mean, if they score 35 points in the second half, you're fired. <laughs> hey, man, sometimes they need some tough love to motivate them, you know? So I, I Exactly. I, I, I agree with you there. So that was, you know, obviously one of the biggest wins any coach has ever had as a giant. Um, another one we wanted to reflect on real quick is, I, I, I guess your biggest regular season win was when you beat Bill Parcells in the Jets. Can you tell us a little bit about that game? Well, I mean, it was, it was a game. It really was a game. And uh, Parcells tried to get the job back. He can deny it, deny it, deny it, deny it. But George Young was the, the he was the general manager, and that's it. He hired me, and uh, you know, yeah, it was special, simply because you know Parcells was coaching the Jets, and Bill Belichick was there, who I have a lot of respect for. He's done a great he's job. He's had a decent career. Oh boy, <laughs> yes he has. But you know he's he's uh, you know like every coach is you can get fired here and you can get fired there and all that and then you get the right deal going then uh, then you can really really be uh, special and uh, but it was it was uh, it was special for me uh, because uh, uh, nobody wants to say it but I'll tell you that. Parcells tried to get the job back. Yeah, now I was going to ask you that. So so did he try to get it back when he was the Jet coach? He tried to go back to the Giants? Or did he try to get the Giants job before he signed with the Jets? That's what I just wanted to be sure of. Well, they, they were together. I know he, I know, I know, I know for a fact, I'll go to my grave, that he tried to get the job back. And uh, George Young, no. And George Young was powerful. I mean, powerful guy. He had control of everything. And uh, he offered me the job. And, and uh, I know Bill was trying to get the job, talking to people and stuff like that. 
And, uh, but no, it's going to hire me. And then the next thing for Parcells, the best thing would be go to the Jets. Mm -hmm. Which is what he did. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, do you carry any animosity towards him for doing that? Or is that just part of the cost of doing business in this league? Um, I don't want to go into another thing, but when I got hired there and he was still the head coach, yeah, I've got some animosity. But after that, you know, you, you got to let it go. Sometimes you got to let it go and move on you know, because other things, there's so much stuff that goes behind the scenes that if you carry that always, always with you, no, you're going to, you're going to die as a young man. Yeah. It's going to kill you. No, you're right about that. I, I'm w- I'm with you on that. That's why I've stopped watching the Knicks. It's going to kill me if I have to, if I have to watch another, <laughs> <laughs> another 33 point blowout. I'm not going to live to see 50. It's not good over here, Jim Fossil. Um, you know, there's a phrase I hear a lot uh, that I don't buy into, but you'll often hear the media say a head coach has lost the locker room. And generally speaking, that's usually outside speculation. It's not inside dirt. But we're at a time right now where the Giants are 2-7 and seven and Pat Shermer's got seven games to go. What, what does a head coach do in that position to, I guess, keep the locker room? Even though I don't necessarily believe that you can lose a locker room, what does he do to keep a locker room? I ran that with a fist, okay? And there was a year that uh, Michael Strahan and Tiki Barber, and I, I told the team 100,000 times, if you don't have something good to say, shut up. And, uh, and we were going to training camp and, uh, those two got into the news that, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. You don't need the contract, all that. I called them both in my office before we went to camp. And I said, fellas, you're leaders in this team. If you disrupt this stuff at all, at all, I'm going to send you home. I'm going to send you home. Okay. And when I bring you back, it might be half through the season or whatever. I don't care. But, you know, these coaches today, I think they're a little bit, I don't know, uh, uh, the upper echelon, the owners and the general managers, you know, they want to uh, make a lot of decisions. And you got to hand it off to uh, the head coach. And that's what I really re- respected about George Young. And uh, I did that. And we went to training camp, and the media was all ready to see something going to happen. And I ran a play to the left where Strahan was, and they didn't do anything. He just went by him with a little arm and all that stuff. And uh, probably the biggest thing I've ever done, and when we went to the Super Bowl, um, we, we were playing okay but not great. We lost to Detroit, and uh, our MVP of special teams the year before, he was the MVP of special teams. I mean, everybody knew that. He was great. And uh, uh, I said, I'm going to make a move here now. And so what I did was I cut him. I cut him. MVP of the special teams. And uh, I had a meeting the next day. And everybody's looking around and all that stuff. And uh, but I cut him. And so I was talking to the team. I said, we're going we're gonna to be in the playoffs. We're going to be in the playoffs. And we just had a downturn. And uh, so and I said, all right, everybody's excused except for the special teamers. You guys stay in here. And what I did was I said, gentlemen, I'm going to cut two of you every week with the lowest grade. I'm going to cut you. So anyway, then we took a break. 
And uh, those guys went up there and they went over to, you know, Michael Strahan and all that. And what did he say to you guys? He's going to cut two of us every week with the lowest grade. And uh, Strahan, you know, he said to him, he says, uh, the man is on a mission. Don't mess with him. <laughs> and uh, and uh, we went all the way to the Super Bowl. We got beaten in the Super Bowl. But uh, wow. I had to threaten him. I had to threaten him. Yeah, I mean, that's what it took. You had to, you had to get to him. Um, do you feel like in this day and age, because it's become such a player's league, can a head coach be as authoritarian as, as, as you were in your generation? He won't win if he doesn't. I guarantee you. The players will smell it. That the, the, the head coach is not powerful and all that stuff. And that's what I did. That's what I did. And it was in my contract. Okay? Uh, George Young who was the best general manager in the history of football and how he got there and all that. That's a whole other story. But, uh, George Young, I mean, I was powerful. I mean, he, George always said, you're going to have the final say on this, some of these players. And I might want to overrate you, but no. I, okay. And so he, he got me powerful. And you, you, if you don't give the head coach, powerful and you got to every time you got to turn around you got to go talk to the owner you got to talk to the general manager you got the the players smell that stuff that you know he's not powerful he's not no 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 no. i don't think a coach can survive yeah well it's you know it's something you've brought up george young a few times and and i feel like for a head coach um it's got to be you know emboldening and, and reassuring to know the gm has your back to the extent that they do did you feel like uh, the rest of management, the rest of the executive level of the team, uh, meaning ownership, did they have your back towards the end of your tenure there, or did you feel a little bit undermined by the way they handled your departure? Yeah, that's a hard question. The only thing I remember when you started that was that, uh, you know, when I made the guarantee, okay, that's famous back there. Uh, Wellington Mara, Bob Tish, and John Mara, they said, we love it when our coach takes charge. Okay. Uh, that wasn't the same with the uh, general manager. Yeah, no, of course. Um, but, but so they, so they did love to see you take the reins of the ship, but I guess what I was asking is, uh, you know, post guarantee post Super Bowl, in the seasons that followed and ultimately ended with you leaving the team. Um, did you feel like, uh, ownership could have handled your departure better? Um, you know, there's no departure that you can't say that you think, oh, yeah, you guys are right. You got to yeah, get me out of here. You know, uh, but I have had a lot of respect always for the mayors and uh, and them. Okay, that makes sense. Because the reason it hits home for me is I'm a big Eli Manning fan. Um, I know the Giants are in rebuilding mode right now, and we seem to have a, a quarterback of the future in Daniel Jones. But a lot of Giants fans felt like they pulled the hook on Eli a little bit too quick. Uh, as an observer of this team, did you think we could have given Eli three or four more games, or, or did you think they were right to make the switch? I, I, you know, I, I couldn't because I'm not in the building, but it's always hard. It's always hard for a guy like that, and the Mannings and all that stuff, that uh, uh, to make a change. Um, they possibly could it's hard for me to say that in any direction uh if they feel like you know you got to be in the building to really know 
you really got to get, you know, and uh, everybody say, well, I mean, if they were going to the Super Bowl, they'd say, yeah, you made the right change. Uh, but I, I will tell you this right now, okay? When I took over the Giants, everybody said they're the worst team in the NFC East and on and on and on and on and on. And Dick Vermeil and I, we talked all the time. And it's a turnover ratio. And I can tell you this, all right? What are the Miami Dolphins, Atlanta Falcons, New York Giants, Cincinnati Bengals, Cleveland Browns, Jets, Tampa Bay, Redskins? What do they all have common? Uh, you're going to tell me they're winning the turnover battle. Uh, they're losing the turnover battle. It would be my guess, correct? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and Dick Vermeil and I used to study that. And uh, my first year at the Giants, I came in there and I thought, yeah, we, we got a lot of building here. Okay, we got a lot of building. Dave Brown and Danny Cannell are the quarterbacks. And I'm going, I'm not which one of those guys are that. And every, I, every practice we started out, everybody, the linemen had to practice uh, covering uh, turnovers. Uh, and a jugs gun with the D, DB coach because, you know, the DB coach, God dang, they were good. But, I mean, they can't throw like a quarterback. And it's, 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 and Dick Romero used to talk about all this at the time. And I mean, it, it is true because I studied it every year, every week. And you just look at the bottom teams. New York Giants are minus 10. But you're not going to beat anybody. You're not going to beat anybody. Yeah, you're not going to win games. You're not going to win games doing that. Uh, it's 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 been hard. It's been hard to watch. I will say this though, uh, you uh, for a short while worked with John Elway when you were at Stanford. Uh, are there any glimpses of John Elway when you look at Daniel Jones? No, <laughs> I think he's going to be a good quarterback, but there's not many John Elways walking around, you know. And I recruited him out of high school. I coached him the whole career at Stanford, and I coached him. Uh, with the Broncos, and he's a phenomenal. I mean, he 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 can play the game, but he's also smart, and he's also dedicated. And then you know, but I don't care if you put him on a real bad team; he's not going to look the same, John Elway. Uh, a quarterback needs to have help, and so you can't put it on the quarterback all the time if you don't have a good running game and you don't have, you know, turning the ball over and the defense is getting the ball for you and all that. Now you show up what they can. Yep. I mean, it's, 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 it's crazy uh, because we do see some good signs out of Daniel Jones, but to your point, he doesn't have the infrastructure around him that say the Los Angeles Rams would provide for their quarterback where your son uh, is famously, I believe is, is John a special teams coach with the Rams? Yes. Okay, and and he seems to be doing great out there. He was the one coach they kept, correct? He's the only one they kept. Now, they fired everybody, and I, I think it was about 30 coaches, and I got 30 coaches. What do you need, 34 coaches? But he's well-respected. I went to the Super Bowl last year, and Bill Belichick was talking to him for quite a bit before the game, and uh, he probably picking his brain or whatever, but Oh yeah, no. I, I've 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 talked to a lot of coaches in the NFL, and they say he, he's scary. We don't know what the hell he's going to do. <laughs> he 
he's going to cut two special teamers a week, whoever get the lowest grade. I think that's a secret. <laughs> yeah. I, I, heard I don't that think somewhere. he has that power, but. <laughs> I heard that somewhere. Uh, I, I know maybe you're a little bit biased because you've got a son on the Rams, but if you were if you were a betting man and we had to pick a team to win the Super Bowl here in week 10, uh, who looks good to you? Who do you think has a shot at this thing? Well, I mean, the top teams, you know, and it, it, a lot of it comes into, um, you know, injuries as we're moving down the line and all that stuff. And uh, and I think the one of the advantages is that, you know, if you stay healthy, you know, and uh, you got the Patriots up there, there's some prize teams there, but, uh, but a lot of those teams, um, they're playing solid football. And you can't be up and down and up and down and up and down. And, and most of them have a, a outstanding quarterback and they protect him and all that stuff. But, uh, I don't know, you know, I'm just, uh, I, I keep, I keep busy with watching my son talking to him and I got another son coaching in college and, uh, following everything else. No, I feel and, uh, Yeah. I so. got, I got a, uh, I got a ten-year-old son playing flag football, and his team hasn't covered the spread once this year. So uh, <laughs> it's been a it's been a long season in the Jimmy Fallon house. But uh, Coach Fossil, we really appreciate you stopping by today. This was a fantastic interview. We thank you for sharing your time and your brilliant insights. Oh, I always enjoy talking to you guys. Right. You're you're very good questions and. You're very knowledgeable. Well, we appreciate it. Uh, and thank you. You won me a Trivial Pursuit game with that World Football League pass you through. So good job. You got a beer on me when I see you. <laughs> okay. Take care, Coach. Thank Sounds you. Sounds good. All right. Rock and roll. That's it for this episode of Blue Rush. Thanks to our producer, Jake Brown, for making it all happen. To hear the latest Blue Rush episodes, be sure to hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your preferred podcast platforms. You can find more Giants news by signing up for our daily New York Post sports newsletter and by visiting NewYorkPost.com. We'll be back on Thursday with the latest from the Giants as we preview their game against the Jets this Sunday. Wow, if you like college football, this is your Super Bowl. Uh, We'll see you then.